Yeah, but the crits, like, people are, like, punching each other and shit. The gravel's, like, <laughs> oh, he didn't awesome. sure. wait for me to get my water. Like, oh, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, my competition is just so unsportsmanlike. It's like, these guys are punching each other in the face. So that's actual beef. What up, party people? Welcome back to the Bonk Bros Podcast. Boy, do we have a spicy one today. It's a bit long, too, so I'll keep this short. We're talking Leadville, Steamboat, Tour of Portugal, and a lot more. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Appreciate all the shouts we've gotten on social medias and all the feedback we've gotten for the show. Keep that coming. We love to hear it. And send those questions. We uh, we, we still don't have a Bonk Bros Podcast uh, social media set up yet, so keep sending those to Scott McGill Jr., Dylan Johnson, or myself at Adam Saban 6 All right, let's get this Bonk Bros party started. So if I uh, if I sound a little out of breath, it's because I am. So so we uh, we got one of those Mac ride seats for the kid to sit in front of you on the on the bike, whatever you know. Yeah. And uh, it's on my wife's bike. We just put it on there yesterday. And apparently, I need to do a better job of maintaining her bike because I took him to school on it this morning. And on the ride home, I like went to dump it into the granny gear to get up the steep hill, and I freaking threw the chain over the cassette, into the wheel, and it took me like 10 minutes to get it unstuck. So, wow. yeah, I'm a little... Uh, looking, like, like, looking like such a Fred. Yeah, seriously, it was it was embarrassing. Shimano, if you're listening, I hate you. <laughs> what, did you run okay. back? You know, you know I, uh, I, I, I ran a... a uh, <laughs> I, I made a meme on the Backwards Hat account once where I like referenced the term Fred, and a guy named Fred got very upset. You seem to make a lot I mean, of people upset. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He was he was like uh I he was like, yeah, you know, I feel like people are making fun of me when they say Fred and I was like I was like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, just don't be a Fred, you'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think I actually said that to him. So uh <laughs> Scott, good to have you back, man. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah, we we got a lot of drama to talk about, but we should probably start with Scott because Scott won yeah. two stages of the Tour of Portugal. Yeah. So why don't you tell and us some, about it, Scott? Some, some green jersey or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty sick. <laughs> um, All right. Break it down. Know, what do you want to know about what it? What happened? In, in classic Dude, Scott... In classic Scott fashion, the only information that we've gotten from him through his Instagram is what place he got. So we don't, we know nothing else. Well, that's like pretty much it, right? <laughs> All right. So I'm assuming that these two stages that you won came down to a sprint finish. Yeah, and it was like a bunch well, of sprint because yeah, there was a. Pro- it started with a prologue, and we don't have time trial bikes, so like, and it was an out and back. 6k or 5k prologue so that's like you have no chance and then stage one was a sprint and yeah i won the first stage which is pretty sick it was just a bunch sprint and then nice 
and then I was second the next day. Um, and all the Hold all on, the wait. sprints. So that were like, first stage, the the first stage you won though, didn't you? Like, I mean, you you won the sprint, but you like you went from a pretty far ways out, didn't you? At least the, the um, video that with, I saw, like, you went with like we took the front with like four riders. So I had three riders in front of me on that day with like three K to go, which is pretty damn far out. Like you'd want to take the front with like one K to go. If you had three laid out riders, right. Um, but the tech, like all these sprints finish in town. So like it, and there's so many damn roundabouts in Portugal and shit that they're, the finishes are so technical. So like, it's probably really good for you. Exactly. So we just like went through for it. Like, and um, once we hit the front, it's like you can't go backwards or else you're going to get swarmed and it's over. So we just, you know, we weren't there on purpose, mm-hmm. but whatever. We just went for it. And then because there was so many like turns in, in the last K, it's easier to like. Like my lead out, like Noah was like, you know, running out of steam with like 400 meters to go, maybe. But then I could slot like slide back and like slot in in the turns into somebody, you know. Whereas if it's just a dead straight road, it's like harder to find your way once you start going backwards. Sure. And then it was like a little kick yeah. up to the finish line, which is like perfect for me. Um, like the last like 150 meters was uphill. And I was just like in shock when I won. And I didn't even like put my hands in the air because we one, we didn't have radios at this race because they got lost in transit uh, uh, in luggage. <laughs> um, and they, I don't even mm. know if they found them yet still. So, but I saw a, a rider, it was Joey Roscoff um, from Human Powered Health. He was coming back in the last K. He came, like, we caught him. And I was like, well, I didn't even know that there was a rider off the front. So how, do, I didn't know that there was so, <laughs> any other riders. So you crossed, so you, the, you crossed the line and you weren't sure if you won or not? Well, I was like, all right, I probably won. But I, I didn't put my hands in the air because I didn't want to celebrate if I didn't win. Yeah, and then like all you know, all the cameras start sprinting after you, and like you get swarmed by like cameras and shit. And I'm like, all right, I guess I won then. And I was just like in shock because <laughs> it was such like yeah, a last minute true. thing. This race, like we only got the invite three weeks before, so it's not like we've been planning to do this mm-hmm. race. And I had like so much time to prepare for it, like optimally. So it's like, oh, we just show up, showed up the day before the race. Super jet lagged, you know, no radios. We had a car that barely worked, like no AC. Um, We had a a shitty Romanian van that like, yeah. And then you show up and all these teams have giant team buses and trucks and everything. It's like its own little Mm -hmm. world in Portugal. Like there's these teams with all this equipment and support and everything, but they never leave Portugal. They only do Portugal races. Yeah. Or if they do, apparently they just suck. Like if they go to Spain or anything, they're just not as good. Huh. huh. Okay. Yeah, it was kind of, it wasn't. So was yeah. it, was it all Portuguese teams that you were racing or were there other teams there? There was some Spanish teams, like Spanish pro continental teams, like, uh, Caja Rual and Uskadel Uskadi and Burgos. Uh-huh. Um, and then human power health, which used to be uh rally, which is another American team. And then there's like these big Portuguese teams. And then there wasn't, cool. yeah, it was most, it was like mostly Portuguese teams, but it's like, this is like the, it's, they call it the world championships of Portugal. Like it's, yeah, it's a huge race for, for the Portuguese riders. Nice. 
That doesn't make sense, but sure. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but that's like what they would <laughs> Was, say. Uh, the, the national championships of Portugal? <laughs> no, it's just like, so, this so is, Scott, see, these riders, this is like all they care about is this race for Portuguese riders. Okay. Sure. Like the World Series of Portugal or something. Yeah. So, so you got the green jersey after stage one? Yeah, so then I was in the green jersey, and then the following day I was second, and that was like another technical finish, um, and it finished like on cobbles, and I made like a little mistake in the last turn, and that's why I ended up second. Um, held the green jersey, and then the next day was a mountaintop finish, so just like tried to make the time cut. I was so slow that I missed the TV presentation for the podium. Like they had already done the whole podium and wrapped up the whole thing by the time I got, so I didn't even go to the podium for the green jersey. Are you are you that bad I'm, at climbing, or or were you just like you know you you had the chance to kind of sit in, so you just kind of set up the climb? No, it's, yeah. As soon as we hit the bottom, we just all sit up and just go like okay, just make it to the finish with using the least amount of energy as possible. Yeah, yeah it was a twenty five k climb, so it's like. I think yeah, I lost long. like 40 minutes. It's a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. of time. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the next day. So was, it, was there somebody like close behind you for the green jersey that you had to like, oh, contend yeah. with? Yeah, it was like a battle till the yeah. last day. Um, So the next day, like a pretty big break went. Um, Like one you'd expect it to go to the fin- finish line, like 10 riders or something or 11 riders. And they got like a six minute gap. And then I was like, all right, I guess that's gone. Like this day is a wash, you know? But then um all you know, we decided to try and pull it back. And my I had, we had four teammates riding, so we only had five riders at this point. Um, because one of my teammates crashed on the stage two and dislocated his shoulder, so he was out. Mm-hmm. And they rode so four guys rode six minutes back on the break in like 60 K, which was like very impressive. Um, but that meant I have no, I had nobody to, for the sprint. So like mm-hmm. we weren't really thinking about the green Jersey at that point. Right. I just wanted to like, it's not like it was a goal before the race. We just ended up in it. So we're not sure. just going to like completely like we were just trying to get another stage win. If you win the stages, you get the green Jersey yep. too. But then I ended up second yeah. on that day to the to the same guy who beat me before. So then he took the jersey off me. Dang. And then what was it? He was in it for like two days, maybe. Another day, another mountaintop finish day, and then the next day, mm-hmm. uh, stage six, I won again, and he was second. So then I took nice. the jersey off him. And then sick. Yeah. So it was a lot of back and forth and it was like, he was like a super good, like we were like, you know, super good sports. Like it was all, all in the like news talking about our sportsmanship and shit. It's kind of lame, but (laughs) 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 who's the guy? Who's the guy who got second? His name's Jao Matias. (laughs) Is that how you actually pronounce it? Jao Matias. Yeah. Okay. Portuguese. <laughs> Portuguese, yeah, Portuguese. Okay. 
And like when he won his stage, he was like crying for like, like it meant so much to him. Like he was like bawling for like a half an hour after the race. Um, Mm -hmm. so you can tell it means a lot to like the Portuguese. You had to be a dick and take it back. (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah. Then when I won stage six, I took it back and then I kept it. And then stage eight, maybe. I don't know. It's all getting mixed up because there was, it was 11 days. So it's, it's kind of all. It's kind of, that's a long stage race. Yeah. It was 10 stages plus a prologue. And it finished with a time trial, too. And then one day it was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stage eight. There was, it was like pretty flat day, but then there was a cat two right before the finish line. Um, and mm-hmm. me and him both ended up going in the breakaway. And there was three um, bonus sprints in the middle. And I was able to win all three bonus sprints. So I was up even more points on him. And he was second in all those. Um, but then he, like, I got dropped on the cat too. And he ended up getting eighth on the stage. Um, so then he took even more points back on me. So then I was only ahead by like four points at that point. Um, because he was able to get over the climb better than I did. And then, then the following day is where it gets really interesting because the finish was like pretty hard. Like it was like three, three stair step climbs going into the, mm-hmm. like in the last 10 K. Um, so I get, I, I guess his team and him assumed that he and I wouldn't be able to make it like to the sprint. So he went in the breakaway and gambled to get the intermediate points. Um, mm-hmm. and then we gambled that if we just win the stage, we'll win the Jersey. Right. So then mm-hmm. we rode the break back and I ended up getting third on that stage. But like, I was pretty close to getting dropped. Like it was like a very hard um, finish. So that was like the biggest risk we took. But it was like, I mean, Dang. you got to risk it for the biscuit, right? So that was stage nine. Sure. So how yeah. many points were you up on after that? After that, or maybe that was stage eight. That was stage eight. And then the next day was another mountaintop finish. And I was up 22 points. So the only way he could win win it at that point is if he got all the intermediate points and then also won the time trial because there's for if you win a sprint stage you win forty points and then like it goes down from there but if you win a time trial or a mountaintop finish you get fifteen points it's like reduced um they're like B stages so if he would have won the, which is like extremely unlikely um but then yeah I'm guessing I think he's he like a time trialist. Me? No, him. Well, you too. I mean, you guys are both (laughs) sprinters, so. (laughs) Yeah, so he ended up not. I I think he, like, accepted defeat at that point. And, um, Hmm. yeah, he ended up not going in the breakaway. But, yeah, it was a pretty close battle. So tell tell us about uh, the time trial, because you you had messaged me saying that um, the time trial was pretty cool. Oh yeah, it was sick. Um, like we didn't even have time trial bikes, but then a lot of riders who had time trial bikes like opted to ride their road bike because it was so technical and hilly mm-hmm. and shit. And it was like I don't even know how many turns there was. It was eighteen kilometers, 
and it was just like all up, down, left, right, cobbles, turns on cobbles, down through like the narrowest. You're like hauling ass down, and then you're squeezing between like tiny like a road gap between these buildings, and and then like even in the last like 300 meters, I was like hauling ass, and then there's like a U-turn on cobbles that I nearly crashed on, and yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I heard like my name perfect. Yeah, that's like I heard the my name time trial for you. Yeah, I, I think I got like thirtieth, which isn't bad. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if there was gonna be a time trial designed for you, it would be one that's very technical and doesn't require steady power. Yeah, I mean, I still if I had a time trial bike, like I think if if you're good on a time trial bike, it's better to use it. Did right? The, like, did the did the winner have a time trial bike? Yeah, the guy who won. Okay. Yeah. And then the guy who won the last time trial okay. also won the GC. But yeah. Gotcha. So if you like practice on your time trial bike and you're good at riding it, then it's better. But mm-hmm. if you don't, then it was probably better to use a road bike. But yeah, I heard my name sure. more times in that 18 kilometer time trial than I have in my whole every other race I've ever done combined. It was insane. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Even, awesome. even though even though you were taken down like one of the local favorites, like they were still stoked on you winning the the green jersey. Yeah, I think so. Just because I don't know, like the 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 news guys were like talking about American? How the sportsmanship was like so great to see, and that like mm. there wasn't there. There's a lot of camaraderie there. Like even after I won the first stage, the next day, like probably half of the riders came up and congratulated me like in the race, which you would, you would never Pretty really nice. see that in American cycling. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, there's especially gravel. Not in gravel. Is, is, yeah. I don't know about <laughs> Dude, the sportsmanship in gravel has plummeted after this weekend. Yeah. It sounds so like there's an, more any, sportsmanship any, in, in Portugal yeah. than there is in gravel. <laughs> sure. Anything um, else you want to want to talk about from that race, Scott? No, not really. It was a cool race. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, sweet. Well, should we? Scott, uh, hold on, I gotta. I gotta say, when when on? you when you made the decision to back out of the mountain bike World Cup at Snowshoe, I was like kind of bummed for you. I was like, man, he's gonna just go do another boring road race and skip out on this world cup experience <laughs> but i think it was i think it was the right call man yeah that's like one of the best decisions i've ever yeah, made in my life <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely a good call because like at that mountain bike world cup you would have gotten i don't know freaking 50th place maybe and like broken um, my bike and myself 100 percent. yeah best decision i've ever made sure <laughs> sick all right let's all let's right. talk leadville and gravel beef hell yeah yeah um well we should definitely start with leadville since that one that one was first and then we'll move on to sbt and all the drama going on with sbt because there's a lot of it um i think that we should just start by saying that keegan is in he's in a whole nother planet right now like he won leadville by 15 minutes over second place the guy who got second place i'd never heard of i guess he's a ski racer 
but uh, shortly after that was Howard Grotz. Like, 15 minutes is insane. He, like, he... I, I don't I don't know what he needs to do, but he like he's sandbagging in the most prestigious off road race series in the U.S. right now. <laughs> um, why, why is he like? Well, at, at a certain point, why is he just like chill out, like just win by like five minutes? <laughs> like well, like, I mean, so let <laughs> dude, I understand at Leadville because Leadville has like you know. They changed the course a little bit, but for the most part, it's the same course. And I mean, he was real close to getting the course record. Oh, okay. uh, we just we talked we just talked with Jeremiah last week about that course record. We were talking about whether or not um, that course record was going to be broken. I was like, ah, uh, you know, I, what I I think what I said was Keegan's strong, but like that course record, Albin was literally the marathon world champion and he had teammates working for him. Like Jeremiah worked for him on every single flat section of the race for him to get that record. What's amazing about Keegan is that he was only a minute and a half off of that record. And he basically did the entire second half of the race solo. Um, so yeah, I, he, he had a, uh, I think his bike was pretty optimized. Like he's got, he's got the wax chain. He's got the fast tires. He did a little bit of handlebar modifications. Like he put bar ends on the inside of his bar and then he wrapped, uh, wrapped his bars so that he could be more comfortable putting his uh, elbows on the bar. I think he would have gotten the course record had he had like the mini arrow bars that, that uh, Adam and I had. Um, How much did he, how much did he miss it by? A minute and a half. Hmm. That's like so. Here's the thing. He so, he, so he, was de- he was definitely able to get in the arrow position on the road sections with the setup that he had. But the thing with the the arrow bars is that you can get in the arrow bars on bumpier sections because you actually have something to hold on to. And then, yeah. from my experience, you can actually put out more power because you're you're physically holding on to something as opposed to holding on to nothing. Yeah, yeah. and I think you know we kind of talked about this with Jeremiah. I think it allows you to kind of rest a little bit in that position mm-hmm. more so than with the bar ends that he had. Because with the the extensions that he had, he would have like all of his weight would have been supported by like his triceps, you know. So you're kind of yeah. like in a pretty stiff and rigid position there. Versus like if you've got the arrow bars and you can go the same speed but get a little bit of rest, then like I don't know, maybe you could have climbed a little bit faster or something. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it was it was pretty unbelievable, you know, that he he put in 15 minutes in the last 50 miles all solo. Yeah. I mean, just unbelievable and they they actually they were on record pace at least that's what that's what the media um said that they were on record pace coming into columbine but i don't know what Mm -hmm. his time was like at the turnaround like if he was on record pace still or if he made up time or what well i mean he was uh, he had to be very close to record pace all day to only only be a minute and a half behind yeah um yeah yeah yeah, that's uh, I, yeah. He's he's on a completely. He needs to like go to World Tour Road or try uh, try doing World Cup mountain biking again. I was at the bike wash station when his mechanic was there, and I I told his mechanic, I'm like, dude, Keegan needs to give World Cup the World Cups another shot. And his mechanic was like, 
dude, we're just having fun right now. Like, I think it wouldn't surprise me if Keegan genuinely finds this sort of endurance racing more fun than World Cup racing, and I, I don't necessarily blame him. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, it's 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 also more fun to, like, can't be that kick fun. ass than get ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, w- winning's always sure. fun. Scott, what do you... Scott, what do you think's more fun, getting first place at Leadville or getting top five at a World Cup? Which I totally think Keegan's capable of right now. Probably top five at a World Cup. <laughs> sure. I mean, winning yeah, by like I, dude, 15 minutes, like, yeah, you're like destroying everybody else. But like, you're mm-hmm. just like going out there and pedal, like you're only competing against yourself at that point, right? Yeah, it really it really is like that at this point. Keegan Keegan's just kind of competing against himself. I mean, at, at least at Leadville, like I yeah. I knew going into Leadville, um I mean, there were some big names signed up, like Matt Beers was signed up, uh Nikki Terpster was signed up. Uh I was like, I don't know. I don't know if those guys have anything for Keegan. I think I said to Matt Beers, I was like, "Yo, you going to beat Keegan this weekend before the race?" He was he was very unsure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you knew before the race, if, if Keegan doesn't get a catastrophic mechanical, it's going to be Keegan. Yeah. And, um, and other than, other than the short track race where he flatted out at nationals this year, I feel like he's like, his setup is always so dialed or maybe he's just so skilled that he like, he like mm-hmm. never seems to have mechanicals or anything. Like most of the time sure. something does not go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um shout out to his mechanic for sure. Yeah. The women's race was actually a lot more interesting because the, you know, the time gaps are between first and second were closer and the winner at least in my opinion was unexpected. It was Hannah Hannah Otto. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Like if you had asked me who was going to win the women's race before, I probably wouldn't have said that uh Hannah was going to win. So that's super cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I was actually riding with Alexis. She had made the group that I was in on the way out to Columbine. Um, mm. and she looked so strong. I mean, she was like ripping up all the climbs and hanging on the descents and stuff. Like, um, she more or less hung with, like she, she made the group by like descending power line at a pretty, pretty solid speed. Um, nice. And, and she looked so strong. I, I thought there, I was, I thought it was, there was no way that she wasn't going to win. Like that's how good she looked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. She just, she must've blown up kind of later, you know, in the second yeah. half of the race. And Dude, that's, she, that's the thing with altitude, man. Yeah. It's so easy to blow up. Yeah, for sure. So easy. I mean, there were, there were, there were a lot of people out there that had really bad days that like normally, you know, would have been up there. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I kind of faded myself in the last two hours. Like I, I sort of held it together, but the last two hours were kind of ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is that race like, yeah. So is it like full gas? Like from the start? Uh, yeah. Well, the, there's, there's a climb, like, I don't know, four or five miles in. That's pretty significant. And I mean, I'm sure it wasn't full gas for Keegan, but like I got dropped on the first climb kind of purposefully. I knew that if I had yeah. tried to stay with the front group, I probably would have cracked later. So I was 
trying to pace myself accordingly. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were absolutely hauling up the first climb. And the thing is, like, it's at such high altitude that the power that you're putting out is really unimpressive. But, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, if you do, if you do the conversion to, like, uh, sea level power, the power that they put out up that first climb is, yeah, they're, they're, they're going real, they're really going for it on that first climb. Because, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I, if, like, a lot like with the, the a lot of like the when he gets the course record, you know, if he's going for the record, it's probably a lot in the beginning, right? Like what the pace is. Yeah, I mean, I so I don't I don't know if Keegan like started the day thinking I want to get the course record or if he just was like I want to win the race. Um because that's kind of different tactics, right? Yeah. Uh so you know, I'm I'm not I'm not really surprised that they got very close to the course record, considering that this is probably the deepest field that field that Leadville has ever seen, just because of the lifetime series. Um, but I guess the way that Keegan did it, where he basically the the second half of the race was solo, that's shocking and very impressive at the same time. <laughs> Um, so, so the guy that got second, Dylan, you, you mentioned that you, you'd never heard of him and, and I didn't either. So I was like super curious of who this guy was, John, John Gaston mm-hmm. or something. That's what I was saying at least. Um, mm-hmm. so I like looked him up a little bit. Yeah. And he's like a team USA schemo racer. And I like looked him up on Strava and he, he didn't really, he didn't start training on the bike till like four weeks before Leadville. And he just like went out and did like three 30 hour weeks then did like a race in Aspen and then raced Leadville. Like that was it. Wow. So he's wow. like, he's just that talented. I'm guessing. Is um, he like a he's world, a, a world-class ski racer? I don't, I, I'll yeah. be honest. I don't, I don't know enough about ski racing to. Yeah. So it's ski mo. So ski mountaineering. So that's where like you mm-hmm. skin uphill, like you, you, you ski yeah. uphill, then you like transition, then you ski back downhill. Uh, so they're always like at, you know, high Alpine terrain and, uh, usually like a schema race, you're going to ascend the mountain four to eight times, you know, like you're just going up and down this, you know, pretty big mountain. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, he's definitely used to training and racing in high elevation and, um, going pretty deep. Um, but I don't, I don't know like what his ability level is in schema, uh, you know, compared to the rest of the world or whatever, but, um, obviously very talented to, to just hop on the bike a month before Leadville and, train for three weeks and go out and rip it up for a second. Um, yeah, that's crazy, man. He needs to start, he needs to, uh, start <laughs> mountain bike racing. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Maybe there's more money in schemo. I don't know, <laughs> but I uh, would have no idea, <laughs> but yeah, super cool. And, and, and like when we were talking last week, we, you know, we were kind of saying like, if, if, if there was a year for the record to be broken, this was going to be the year, because there was going to be such a deep field that there would probably be a pretty big group coming back from Columbine, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. you know, like this guy, like John Gaston and, uh, you know, Howard Grotz who finished second and third, like if those guys were, could have hung with Keegan in the last, you know, half of Columbine up and then been with him there, like coming back, then I think for sure the record would have been broken. But, um, you know, I don't think any of us would have predicted that, Keegan could have gotten that close solo. So sure. Pretty sick. Maybe. Um, I think it if, if, 
it depends on, you know, if he's got the two guys with him. It, like, after he's solo, he's going full gas, yeah. right? Sometimes it's a disadvantage. Yeah, that's true. That I mean, they could have... Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, they would have had to been able to hang with him, right? I mean, you know, match his pace. Or work, work like, Dude, he, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he should have had the arrow bars on his bike, man. <laughs> yep. Um... He's already he he already seems to have like this anti spirit of gravel persona, which we'll get to in a minute when we talk about SBT. But like, Good. you know, you know, like you know, what's cooler than like not having arrow bars on your bike uh, and sticking within the status quo of what a mountain bike should look like is freaking getting the course record. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I, I I thought about I thought about sending he didn't, him. He a didn't link. have arrow gloves. He didn't have arrow socks. I mean, I I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of things he could have done. I don't know if his socks are arrow or not. They do have stripes on them, but I mean, I don't know if they've been <laughs> wind tunnel tested. Uh, I think he wore a skin suit. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's probably a couple things he could have done, right? But um, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I almost thought about just sending him a link to the the arrow bars that I use and been like this would have been the course record you're welcome <laughs> you just buy them for him um Get him straight to his house <laughs> yeah i <laughs> dude i normally i normally don't want to even promote using arrow bars for these races be not because of safety or any bs like that but because i don't want my competition to have a have a leg up on me. If I'm running arrow bars, I want that to be an advantage for me. And if everybody else is too cool to run arrow bars, then good. I'm, I have an advantage, right? But like, I'm not beating Keegan, obviously. So I'm just, I, I, I'd rather see him get the course record. Um, one other thing that was interesting was, uh, I guess that, uh, so I, I saw that Russell Finsterwald was running down, columbine with a busted rear wheel and i was like oh man i guess that's his day done and then he comes flying by me like probably 10 miles later and i was like well i i don't know how he did that because he was kind of far up columbine when i saw him running down but like maybe there's a guy from specialized or something out there with a wheel and apparently what happened was that uh sophia his teammate saw him like was riding up columbine saw him running down gave him her wheel and then dnf'd uh which when i first heard this i was like dude wtf like like (laughs) she's she's in contention for winning the the lifetime series on the women's side of course russell is in contention on the men's side but like why did they make that decision um i think i think the reason was because she was already having a bad day and she had felt sick. So, um, she was thinking about pulling out of the race anyway, but kind of crazy team dynamics there. Is that, is that like against the rules at all? I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I don't know. No, the, the, the rules state that you have to finish the race on the same bike frame that you started on. Hmm. So the only thing you can't swap is like the actual bike itself, but it, wheels, um, you know, derailleur, chain, things like that's all fair game. But sure. do you have to take it like in yeah, a certain I, zone? Doesn't doesn't specify. 
So I mean, yeah. it, it I could mean, be some, like kind of a some of it these... could be a gray area, like that. You know, it you know because it doesn't directly call that out. But if you just if you just look up the rules and you go by what the rules say, it doesn't say where. Uh, sure. Like mechanical support needs to take place. It does talk about feeds, like that the feeds are supposed to be within the dedicated feed zones, which I don't know. I mean, I saw hundreds of feeds outside of those areas, so I don't think that's like a super strict <laughs> rule. Um, yeah. But but mechanical support, it doesn't specify. You just have to finish on the same bike frame. So like if she just gave him her bike, then that would be outside the rules. But yeah. Uh, I mean, that happens like in. Um uh what's the stage race in south africa that i can't think of cape epic cape epic Epic. i mean in cape epic cape epic like nino every single day was taking a wheel from his teammate because he seemed to flat every single day there right uh so it's clearly allowed in in some races although there there it just depends on the race right like there are some races where they're like you cannot have you know this is fully self-supported you can't get mechanical assistance from other racers yeah and i'm guessing the way that like leadville and lifetime series were kind of i don't know showcasing the team support there like the team dynamic um i'm guessing it was well within the rules because otherwise they would have like relegated him or something when they found out about it sure and i mean he you know he didn't try to hide it or anything he literally made a post about it on instagram so right right yeah but yeah, super crazy though. Like I, I saw him. I was still going up Columbine at that point when when I passed him coming down with with um, and he was just he was just walking like whole. He was like carrying his bike. He wasn't even like pushing it. Um, sure. And I was like, I was like, dude, what do you need? And he's like, a wheel. But I'm not going to ask you for that. And I was like, I was like, I got a spare one in the pits if you can make it down there. And good thing he didn't go looking for it because apparently my like when we left the house in the morning we forgot my spare bike which was going to have like all my spare parts (laughs) so look Mm -hmm. luckily he wasn't like actually looking for it but um yeah i mean pretty pretty crazy i don't know what i i did see that there was a tire off the side of the road on columbine so i don't know if he like tried to fix it or something and then couldn't couldn't get the flat fix so took his tire off so that he could try and like descend on the rim or something and then probably mm-hmm. eventually blew up the rim, but um, yeah, must have been. I, I mean, pretty catastrophic for for him. Was, to, like, need I, a wheel. Sure, I I would guess that he was taking a lot of risks on that descent. He has the KOM down Columbine, and it was it was done during the race last year, I believe, which is insane to think about that you would do it during the race so he, he doesn't have it who, anymore i don't think because that john or no no, no he still has the kom but that john mm-hmm. gaston guy had the fastest descent on the day wow yeah so but yeah he so but but russell was on a uh like a the s s works epic evo which mm-hmm. is kind of their like rowdy xc bike so yeah, I, I mean, was clearly, he on that. Leadville's not, a rowdy, Leadville's not he, a rowdy race. Yeah, I don't know, but he clearly was like out to try and you know rip the descents though. Yeah, I mean, it, the so for people who don't know, Leadville is an out and back, and Columbine, uh, the top of Columbine, which is the biggest climb of the race, is the halfway point, and then you turn around and come back. So you've got to go up this long climb, and then you've got to rip down. And it's kind of like fire road slash double track, and it gets chunky at the top. 
the fact that you would get the KOM on race day is insane because there is so much traffic coming up the other side. Like he is taking so many risks with people inches away from him. Just just an endless train of riders coming up inches away from him. And he got the KOM that way. The the fact <laughs> the fact that the KOM wasn't gotten on some random day when there's no people coming up, like that that's pretty mind blowing. So I'm I'm sure I'm sure he was going for it, and uh, you know it's easy to s- smash one of those baby head rocks on. Last year he was on a hardtail too. So was he was on the he was on the full suspension this year. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, we talked all, we talked all about hardtail versus full suspension last week. We don't need to get into that, but no. Yeah, man. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about anything else from Leadville, but if not, we'll move on to SBT. Um, no, I don't think so. The, I don't know if it was on here or the matchbox, but there was one point where someone sent in a question asking like the strategy or technique for how to pee off the bike. Mm. But I've, I've never peed off the bike more than during Leadville. I don't know what the deal was. Like I was just like hyper hydrated or something, but I, I must've peed while riding at least five times, maybe six times. Really? I didn't pee once. Yeah. I, I don't know what I, Part of me thinks that maybe it was like kind of being in the arrow position if it was like, I don't know, putting weird pressure on my stomach or whatever. But um, yeah, there, it, I like, I peed coming down Columbine at one point. I peed coming into uh, like Twin Lakes alternate or no, Twin mm-hmm. Lakes dam, um, not the alternate, the mm-hmm. regular Twin Lakes. And I was like peeing while like coming into the aid station and like barely finished before I got there. Uh, I don't know. I just peeing all over the course for some reason. It was crazy, but I, I definitely figured out the huh. technique by the end of the race. Dude, I still haven't figured it out, which is the main reason why I didn't pee mid race. I, there was a point <laughs> where I had, I kind of had to pee, but I was just like, I can't, I was like in a group with, uh, can't stop, uh, Nikki Terpstra and Rob Britton. And I was like, I cannot stop to pee right now. Cause this train <laughs> is like really good. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, let's wrap up Leadville and move on to SBT beef. Yeah, so this is like where all the drama is coming from uh, this week. And there was a lot of drama from SBT last year with the women's field, and now it's coming from the men's field. So I, w- I didn't do SBT, uh, so I wasn't there to witness any of this happen, but I'm just seeing kind of what uh, the the writers are posting both on Strava and on Instagram about it. (laughs) Um, I think there was a lot of back and forth on Strava. So, so for those who don't know, Keegan won SBT after winning Leadville came down to a sprint finish, uh, with Freddie Ovet and, um, Payson. But I think it was a pretty, dynamic race like there was a break up the road for a while and they had to they had to pull them back so uh, i mean they were they were way up the road it was only three guys yeah but they they had eight minutes halfway through the race 
So eight minutes, with right? Like so it wasn't. To go. It wasn't like the day before where it's like yeah, Keegan's going to win, and it's you know he's got a massive gap. Like it was, you know, he wasn't necessarily going to win, although he was definitely one of the favorites, obviously. Uh, but the the controversy comes in. Apparently, one of the aides, like the aid stations at um, SBT are, are kind of a clusterfuck, I guess. I haven't done the race, so I don't know. But you can't have outside support at SBT, so you have to use the neutral aid stations. And there's like 50 guys in the front group, right? So when 50 guys are trying to get are trying to get feed at a neutral aid station, obviously that's going to, you know, um, that's going to be a huge cluster. So in anticipation for that, a lot of guys just took a lot of bottles with them and packs and just carried a ton of water with them so that they could avoid that. And uh, Keegan and a couple others did that. And at one of the aid stations, they just rolled through instead of stopping for guys who were, you know, only carrying two bottles or whatever. And after the race, I think, there were a couple people upset about that, but probably most notable was Pete Stetna. Um, he made a post saying he was very, uh, he's very cryptic. Like he was like, I, you know, you couldn't even tell what he was talking about, but he was like, I'm, I was bummed about how I got removed from the race, like more to come or something. Uh, it wasn't too long after that. Yeah. It, yeah. Scott sent us a photo and you can read it, but it, um, oh, wait, the way I that he delete. worded it actually made it sound like he got crashed out or something. Yeah, or crashed out or DQ'd or something. I, yeah, I like. I, I realized it sounded like I, like I realized that what uh, or like ganged up on him and like removed him from the race. Like that's what it, sure. it sounded like. I think what I think what he meant by removed from the race is like removed from contention for the win, you know, like dropped. He got dropped. He probably should have used the word dropped instead of removed because that was. Yeah, here it is. Um, so, Scott, you sent this. So from Pete, it says my SBT. I never really had a chance today, which is fine. But the way I was removed from the race really bummed me. I've lost a lot of respect for some guys more to come. This sport is a small world and respect for your colleagues matters. I've seen it all over my career and it comes around. Mm. Yeah. So when I saw that, I thought, you know, he says he got removed from the race. So I thought either, like you said, Dylan, either he got DQ'd or something, or maybe he got like crashed out in like some, you know, sketchy situation or something. Um, yeah. But what really happened was, the the group there you know there was a group of guys that were in the chase group that came into the aid station around mile 70 or 75 or something and mm-hmm. you know Pete didn't have enough food on him or or water on him so he needed to stop and Keegan and Payson and maybe a couple others just rolled through it and and kept motoring i mean i don't know man if you're Pete like freaking chase back on right like don't get pissed and just pull yourself out like you know, what would they have put two minutes on him? Like, you know, if there was any sure. chance of bringing the break back, you can bring the chase group back too. you know? Mm-hmm. So why doesn't that group rally and just get back, you know, try and try and bring the, uh, you know, the, the chase group back. I don't know, but, um, 
So, yeah, so here's the, I guess the dilemma is like, okay, uh, in these races, it's good sportsmanship to, you know, stop at an aid station and make sure that everybody gets their, what they need before you start riding again and don't attack in the aid station because like, that's a lame way to win the race if you attack in the aid station and then you ended up winning. I would say that if there's a break eight minutes up the road, all of that goes out the window. Um, like you can't afford to stop for three minutes at an aid station for a bunch of guys to get what they need when you've, you have to hunt down a break that has eight minutes. Like you got to get in and out as fast as you possibly can. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I gotta be honest. I'm a little bit more like I can, I can see where Pete's coming from because it's like, Hey, you know, how about we all just be like good sportsmen and we, and we, everybody get what they need. And like, how about we not attack in the feed zone? Cause that makes it stressful for everyone. But I, I'm a little bit more on Keegan's side with this mainly because there was a break up the road and they, you know, this is what Adam Roberge said that when he did this at gravel locos, he was like, dude, I'm carrying uh, you know, a hydration pack and multiple bottle and like three bottles with me or four bottles. Like I weigh like 10 pounds more than you right now because of all the water that I'm carrying. I'm not gonna, you know, that's an, that's, that's an advantage that I'm giving up, um, in order to potentially have this advantage of getting through the aid station faster. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit of a tactic thing and I, you know, they in, for example, in it's a hundred percent a tactic thing. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's a, and it's a valid tactic, you know I mean? Road racing, there's like dedicated feed zones. Everyone's got a team there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and usually with road racing, there's only one group racing, right? So like everyone has a fair chance of getting through the feed zone pretty seamlessly, with these gravel races and, and even like big mountain bike races like Leadville, the feed zones truly are chaotic. Like I, I had to stop at feed zones in one of my mountain bike races this year is a 90 or a hundred mile mountain bike race. And I lost like five minutes mm-hmm. because of that. Like that's, that's a significant amount of mm-hmm. time. And it's because they've got, you know, thousands of participants who rely on those feed zones. They're not feed zones. They're aid stations. They're like neutral aid support for people who need it like desperately need it. And, and most of the average athletes like rely on those aid stations. So if you can figure yeah. out a way to not have to do that, that's a huge strategy and, and a huge you know benefit. Like, yeah, I agree. You know, Keegan, Payson, all these guys who like brought, you know, hydration packs and extra bottles and stuff like they had to carry that stuff around. Pete should have picked up on that. He should have realized, Hey, these guys are, clearly not stopping they've got all the stuff they need mm-hmm. and he should have attacked them before the feed zone if he knew that he was gonna have to stop there sure yeah i mean i so i the analogy that somebody was messaging me on instagram about this and they had they had a, they had a lot to say about this and a lot of questions and they're i know they're listening right now because they're, they told me that they can't wait to hear about this on bonk bros so <laughs> um but uh the analogy that I used was to F1 and just motorsports in general. So, for example, in F1, you know, the tires that you're going to use, the amount of fuel that you're going to use dictates like when you can 
you know, how often you need a pit and when you need a pit. Right. And that's part of the tactics of F1. Like, do you run the, the hard tires and you don't need a pit as much and therefore you, you do the race faster or do you run the soft tires so that you can go faster on the course, but you have to pit more. I mean, it's the same thing as like how much water do you run in a gravel race? Do you run, do you carry a shit ton of water so that you don't have to stop a lot or do you carry less water so that you're lighter, but you have to stop more. Right. Yeah, totally. So you have uh, to, it, it, at SPT, you have to stop and fill up your own bottles or are there are people. Yeah, they don't, you can't have out outside support and they, they don't have like neutral people handing you bottles. You just have to fill up your bottle. Why don't they just have like make that not a rule? That's a dumb rule. <laughs> like they like regulate how you can stop and get water. Like water's like a pretty essential thing, right? Yeah. And, yeah. So and the what, problem what are you is, saying? They should they should be handing like, you bottles. I get like having it in one spot so that like there's not just people all over the place. Mm-hmm. But let like have like a, a mile where you can feed, and and if you want to bring staff and have them feed you then it's yeah, just a I'm, dumb rule so there are a lot of races where you can have people feed you i mean bwr races you can have people feed you unbound you can have people you need people to feed you uh etc but um i think that i think that sbt's reasoning for this is they're trying to keep it more fair because obviously not everybody can come with like a race support crew so it it i i get it because if you ha- somebody who has a race support crew versus somebody who doesn't have a race support crew, that's a huge advantage for the person that has a race support crew. I'm not I'm not saying that that's you know that any race that that allows race support crews should change the rule. I kind of prefer it to be honest with you, but I, I see where SPT is coming from with this rule. Yeah, and and because that's the rule, like it 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 maybe be a little bit different if they could have support. Um, you know, in the feed zones or whatever, and then like you know, maybe someone finds out that Pete only has support in the first and third aid stations. They're going to attack him during the second aid station where they know he has to stop. But because you can't have outside support, that is absolutely the reason why all those guys lined up with everything they needed to get from start to finish. Yeah, you know, so it's like it's just. I mean, that's a huge part part of the strategy, and I and I just don't. I I can't. I don't understand Pete's side at all, honestly. Like I, I have, <laughs> I have zero remorse for for where he's coming from. Uh-huh. Um, like, yeah, like the, the only if, if anything, thing that I can relate to him on is that he just he just had to. Go ahead. He sh- he should be like, giving the other guys like kudos for like their strategy, right? He got beat. Thinking of a good strategy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he got beat before the race started because he didn't prepare enough. <laughs> sure like hey good job yeah, i so 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 in, yeah. and here here's the here's the, the 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 real kicker so the a lot of people in the group stopped at the first aid station and supposedly pete blew through the first aid station hmm. so he kind of did this same strategy to his compadres uh, in the first aid station. And I guess like the group kind of split because of that in the, through the first aid. Um, now again, I don't see anything wrong with that. If you've got enough to get to mile 70, then you should just keep going and get to mile 70. 
Um, likewise, if you've got enough to get to mile 140, then you should just keep going. But you yeah. know, it's not like it's not like Pete's completely innocent in this case either, because it sounds like he kind of did something similar earlier in the race. And again, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. No, one, none of us were there. This is just reading what kind of dialogue there was taking place on social media and Strava and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, what, what I'll say is that I don't, I think that if, if your strategy is to not stop at aid stations, that's completely fine. And that's well within your right to do that. Um, there's no, you know, these races don't have any rules against that. I will say though, that when you're, when you're in a select group of riders, like let's say you're, you're in a a group of 10 or less riders and you're coming up on an aid station and and it's clear that like almost everyone is out of water and you need to fill up it's it's just it's just like a nice thing <laughs> like i'm not saying this there should be a rule about this i'm just saying it's a nice thing when everybody can agree all right let's stop at the aid station let's get our water and then let's continue because we need each other to get to the finish right like like we're drafting off of each other and if we start fighting each other now in the aid station, it's it's going to get ugly. Um, yeah, but but normally, like in even in road racing, and Scott, I don't know, maybe you can talk about this here. But from my understanding, like in road racing, the reason you don't attack in the aid stations or the you know the feed zones is more of a safety thing. You know, like everyone knows that everyone's going to grab a musette or bottles or something from the aid station um, or feed zone. I don't know why I keep calling it aid stations in road racing, but. Um, you know, so it's like, it's kind of a safety thing, but in this case here, like in steamboat that you couldn't have support crew. So everyone was literally going to have to stop. And I think that's the big mm-hmm. difference here Yeah, is like, it's not, it's not like we're just going to slow down and, and slow roll through the, the aid station so that everyone can like s- safely grab their musette or, or bottles or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. like they had to stop that, you know, right. so like, <laughs> yeah. Why, why would you do yeah, that? But the if, whole, if you didn't have to, like, you're not going to, you're not going to agree to stop just because. The whole idea Scott, was, does, does, uh, road racing have rules about the feed zone? Like I mean, there's no, there's, can't do there's in the like, feed zone? there's unwritten rules still. Right. But I've had gone through plenty of feed zones where I've sure, taken. So that's, that's what we're talking. I know, I, but I'm, let me finish. Let me finish. I've gone through plenty of feed zones where I've taken a musette full of, full of bottles and the race is going full gas and I take the musette full of bottles and throw it off because I, I can't keep – like I the race is too fast in order to take the shit out of the musette. Or like we'll go – somebody will go back and get yep. you know 10 bottles and the race goes full gas and you just start chucking bottles out of your jersey because that's the only way you can keep up with the race. Yep. So like – yeah, there's like these unwritten rules, but there's not really like feed zones, at, and like there's like places where the the people will get fed, but there's not like designated. At least in Portugal, there wasn't designated feed zones. Um, sure. So there's not really yeah any etiquette to it. Yeah, dude, at BWR Asheville, that one hill where you fed me. Like I was, I was in the front of the group and then after the feed, I was in the back of the group and that was a horrible time to be in the back of the group. Cause it was like a really tight, twisty gravel section and I was getting yo-yoed and like, that was probably, if I go back and look at that power file, that was probably like the highest, you know, 
20 minute or 30 minute power of the race. And if I had just been at the front, it would have been like, they totally, they, they totally didn't care about the feed zone at all. They were like, Oh, there's this feed zone. Screw it. Like we'll just hammer up this hill. But I don't so, know. So See, here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read a couple comments that are, that are on pace and McKelvin's Strava here that I think are pretty funny. Yeah, let's I was hear just reading through this just now. So, uh, this one guy, Justin says, maybe next year everyone can cross the finish line holding hands so that no one loses and everyone feels happy. Love it. Um, next one says, I don't think an attack in the feed zone equates to losing by 23 minutes. Little Petey needs oh, to chill. Got him. <laughs> like, yeah. And I agree. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm definitely more on, uh, on Keegan's side with this one. And, and I think, I think the real kicker here is the fact that there was a breakaway up the road that had eight minutes. It's like, it's like, dude, like unwritten rules are out the window in that case. You you need to get the break. We we can't stop at an aid station for two or three minutes. Like we can't let this eight minute gap go to ten minutes because everyone needs to get water. We need it. We need to hunt out the break. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I don't know. I think that uh, I think that Keegan should go full anti spirit of gravel. Go full arrow bars skip every aid station he's strong enough to do it (laughs) um sbt is a very spirit of gravel race because like they don't allow support crews and they also don't allow arrow bars at sbt either like they you know Mm. um so yeah um can we talk about how he broke the course record at sbt At, at, at sbt he did yep I mean, it's yeah. only been going on for three years, so like it's not sure. like it's a this like historic record or anything. But yeah, he got right. the course record. It was it was six nineteen from last year, and he was six sixteen this year. So he nice. almost had two iconic course records in one one weekend. Yeah, Lauren DiCrescenzo got the women's course record as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, last year I don't I don't know if you guys remember last year, but the whole controversy at SBT was centered around her and like her you know using male teammates to help her out in the race um i personally she's so strong i don't think that that really mattered but obviously it's like a discussion that gravel is having right now you know should you be did they did they implement anything to prevent that from happening I don't know. I mean, no one talked about it this year. So I think she realized that she shouldn't do that after the last race. Mm. Although again, it's like kind of like this feed zone thing. It's like, there's not a rule about it. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, at Leadville, like Alexis made that group with, with us and it was like, you know, her and five other guys. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, good on her for like burning a couple of matches early to, to get in this group. Cause I, you know, I think this is going to be extremely beneficial for her, but obviously maybe, maybe she shouldn't have burned those matches cause she kind of unraveled at yeah. the end. But, um, you know, she worked really, really hard early in the race to, to make sure she made, you know, a, a front, you know, or, or, you know, a decent group of guys, uh, versus I, I saw like we, we had, pretty early on there was a women's group that actually had formed before even Keevans came together. Um, sure. Like there were already the lead, you know, five women at that point that were all together. 
you know, so it's, so it's, so it's, I, a, it's a, yeah, it's a strategy for women too. It's different. For yeah. Sure. I, I think that's a good tactic for women at unbound um, because drafting is more important and it's at lower altitude. And if you get with a fast men's group, it's like, you know, that's your race right there. I don't know if it's a good strategy at Leadville just because drafting while it still matters is less a part of Leadville and you run the risk of blowing up just because of how high the altitude is. Yeah. And, and with the climb is being longer too, you know, like you're having to match the, the pace of, you know, some of the guys around you going up the climbs, um, which again, she was, she seemed pretty solid doing, but, um, Obviously, it was just a little too over her head. Scott, Scott you got anything this, else to to add about this this whole? I mean, dilemma? doesn't this just make you want to race gravel, Scott? No. <laughs> the fact that I don't, know, I don't know, just people whining. Like, I don't. Sure. I don't really okay. Get so, it. so I. So this is a related question right here that I got. I, I don't know if this, so this guy that was talking to me a lot about this whole thing on, on uh, Instagram, I don't know if this guy wants to be called out, but I won't call him out in case he wants to stay anonymous. But he, he has a listener question. He says, um, which is spicier, crit beef? <clears throat> crit beef or gravel beef? So basically... From an outsider's perspective, I, I feel I, the way that you feel towards gravel is the way that I feel towards crits. I'm like, wow, that looks like a lot of drama that I don't want to be involved in. And you you look at gravel and you're like, wow, that's a lot of drama that I don't want to be involved in. So which is actually worse? Yeah, but the crits, like, people are like punching each other and shit. The gravel's like, <laughs> oh, is he didn't awesome. sure. wait for me to get my water. Like, oh, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, my competition is just so unsportsmanlike. It's like these guys are punching each other in the face. So that's actual beef. This is like right. not beef. Like, it's Dude, total. I think the, it's totally also the, Sure. Also, the crit beef is like. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna fight each other after the race. The gravel beef is like I'm gonna get on Instagram after the race and like write a dirt like a naughty uh, like story about how like people were unfair to me. Yeah, this is like in the comments on Strava. Like, what? I didn't even know you could like have <laughs> yeah, a conversation yeah, like, in Strava. Like, Payson responded and was like. Yeah, yeah. Payson responded and was like, "You're gonna hit me up on Strava instead of giving me a call." And I was like, no, dude, forget that. I'm just me in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, slash his yeah. tires or something. I like. wonder if they I wonder <laughs> I wonder if they talk I wonder if they talked after the race. Uh I don't know. I I sent I sent Keegan a message to try to get him on uh the podcast today and he his DM I'm sure his DMs are flooded right now. He didn't even he didn't even see it, unfortunately. But if we can get Keegan on to talk about this, I would love to. If listeners, uh, you know, let let Keegan know that he needs to come on Bonk Bros. And Keegan, if you happen to be listening, which is highly unlikely, especially at over an hour into the podcast, uh, we want you on the show. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, this guy, this guy who was messaging me, he has another question. 
he was talking about Pete and how, so this is what the guy says, Pete, um, there's also a part of me wondering if Pete is hamming up, hamming it up on purpose. Um, and then he's like referencing how, how gravel should gravel racing be more like WWE. So like in, you know, in WWE wrestling guys have beef with each other and they're, you know, they're hyping each other up before their match or whatever it's called. I don't know anything about wrestling, obviously. So <laughs> I think that'd be, but, awesome. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's I think part of the, the beef is part of the sport, right? So he's, he's like, should gravel, like, should this be part of uh part of gravel is like, these riders have beef with each other and it's like a, it's like who, who's going to win. Like I can't wait for the next, uh, big crit that little buddies and uh well are basically hernandez and uh williams are are back in it because like it's Mm going to be awesome like i I hope to see like some start line banter and some mid-race bows being thrown like obviously you don't want to like see anyone intentionally crash someone out um Mm -hmm. but like a little bit of beef going on you know before during and after the race like i think that's kind of cool yeah um, I mean, definitely I agree. cooler definitely than, makes than, it more, than Strava comments for sure. <laughs> sure, definitely makes it more um, interesting. If uh, I, if I, Lifetime I will was going to do a sort of like Drive to Survive type series on the Lifetime series, which they've talked about doing, this is totally the thing that they need to capitalize on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> if they're missing out on this, then they pretty much drop the ball on covering everything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, for for like everyone involved in this is is all Lifetime. Uh, Grand Prix series riders too. So it's like, you know, should be showcased for sure. But I'll, I'll give Pete a little, like just a teeny bit of, of slack here. He apparently uh, had a baby like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know how, you know, how much time Pete has spent at home since then, but maybe he's just lacking some sleep. And he's a little cranky. Sure. I, I, you know? I think there's, I think there's complications with the babe with, I think he's having, I don't, I, I don't want to yeah, say, I don't, say the wrong thing I don't know much here. about I it. I, just, I think he's having complications with the baby and I think it may be twins actually. So okay. obviously there's a lot of stress going on in his life. Yeah. It's outside. Yeah. So he's, he's got other stuff going on, but you know, I mean, I don't know if it were me and, and I know like I'm in a different situation, you know, Pete's, this is his, you know, full-time money-making thing. Um, you know, I do this part-time, but I don't know. I, I would have a hard time even leaving, you know, if there were stuff like that going on at home. So, you know, maybe it's just, he's getting caught up and, you know, he's trying to go do his job and feels like he didn't get to do his job. Right. But, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just a reason that he should have stayed at home or something, but, um, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, I will give him a little slack for that because he's probably got a lot of outs, you know, off the bike stress going on in his life. Um, and, and I know firsthand that that, that shit can add up quick. Yeah. And considering all of that, his ride at Leadville was super impressive. He didn't get to acclimate. Like he probably hasn't gotten a lot of sleep over the past couple weeks. He probably hasn't gotten to train very well over the past couple weeks. And he still, I, I can't remember what place he got off the top of my head, but he was well within the top 10. I think he may yeah. have gotten like eighth or something. So yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Sweet. Do we have anything else to say about SBT? 
No, I don't think so. Uh, there, there is one listener question that's been pending for a couple weeks that we haven't had a chance to get to. Uh, Scott, right. you sent this one to me. Um, it's his name's Ian, and here's his question. So he says, "Much like I used to for college exams, I am craving, craving. Wow, I am cramming for a race that I have not prepared for. I'm doing the BWR Michigan on October 9th. How can I make the most of my training for the next two months?" Should I do purely long rides, get a coach, hide a motor in my bottom bracket? Thanks. So yeah, I think this um, race is like 140 miles, like like you know the other BWRs. So pretty pretty long race. Wait, which, which BWR race is it specifically? Michigan, the new Michigan. one. Well, dude, you got plenty of time before Michigan. What what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, he's got t- two months. Especially when he, I think he submitted this question like a month ago. So we are yeah. we're really dropping the ball here. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of messed it up. Hopefully, hopefully he's been at least training and not just waiting for our response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting on the couch, not riding his bike, waiting for the Bonk Bros episode that we talk about this. Um, I mean, dude, to be honest, like I kind of crammed for Leadville, like, and it and it turned out okay. Like, I don't think you need months and months and months and months of preparation. Uh, like I had to take a lot of time off after unbound when I had COVID and then I had a a limited amount of time to prepare for Leadville and I, you know, had a decent result. I don't, I don't think you need to, I mean, I don't think you need to resort to like putting motors in bottom brackets just because you got, (laughs) you know, two months, only two months to train for something. Yeah. So we, we, we talked about this and Scott, you might've messed, you might've walked away, but uh this that guy john gaston who who was second at leadville like dude yeah, just yeah, put yeah. in three 30 hour weeks and showed up to leadville and freaking smashed so ian if you can take like the next month off of work and just only ride your bike it, it can work for sure i think that you should do three 30 hour weeks in a row and and it'll you know you'll you'll either crush it or you'll be so tired that you won't finish <laughs> i did the same thing for portugal I mean, we found out I was going like three weeks before and then just started panic training and it seemed to work out. Yeah. But also like me and Dylan. So so for you though, like, like when you, when you panic train though, do you, do you increase volume or do you increase intensity? Well, in this case, like I hadn't done a, a bunch of miles like the whole year. Like I hadn't done like a block of just like long ass rides. So that's what I did. I just did like seven hour endurance rides and I did sprints. But that's because, nice. like, I just had been doing racing and intensity the whole year. So, like, it, it, it Dude, really depends you gotta come on... Down to Brevard. You got to come down to Brevard this winter, and we got to do what we did in, <laughs> what was it, yeah. 2021? Where we yeah. just, like, every single day we'd wake up and we were like, how long are you riding? Like, <laughs> I'm riding five hours. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to ride six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good, friendly competition. Also, every day, like we would weigh each other and and uh, see it was lighter. <laughs> yeah, Scott but always also, beat me. Scott's, also, Scott's a way better sprinter, but like somehow is super light as well. Back to the question, I think me and Dylan <laughs> might be in like a little bit different boat of this. The, like, if this guy's Cohen from nothing to panic training, it might be like. Yes. You know, like, oh, you took a week off because you had COVID and then you started like panic training. 
but this guy might have taken like mm-hmm. six months off and is like, oh shit. Right. And then he's going to jump back into it. So you might, you know, different situation. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's I, got, he's got six I mean, weekends my, between now and in, in the, the race. He has six weekends that he could take advantage of. Let's assume he's like a full time working dude and mm-hmm. can't do 30 hour weeks or six hour days on a Wednesday. Um, I, I would say, like, this would be my perspective. I, I would start with like four hour ride, like just get out and do like three to four hours and every week between now and then try to increase that by like another half an hour. Um, I think, I don't think cramming like with intensity for a race like BWR Michigan is going to be super beneficial. Like you might improve your threshold a little bit, but you're going to go way further if you can, if you can increase your stamina before then. Sure. I would focus on volume for like the next four weeks and then the last two weeks before the race focus on intensity. Yeah. Yeah. And the intensity like for the last couple of weeks, like doesn't have to be anything crazy or super structured or anything. Like, you know, if you want to kind of do whatever you're feeling, like if you want to do some sprints, you can, if you want to do some short hill repeats, do that. Um, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't, I, I would make sure you drop off the volume by that point though. And you're kind of just focusing on some shorter intensity rides. Do we have any other listener questions? I, I thought there was one more that I was trying to find, but I, I couldn't find it. So, um, yeah, I don't know if, if anyone out there, if you have listener questions for us, send them to, uh, at Scott McGill, Jr., Dylan Johnson, or Adam Saban six. And we'll try to get to them sooner than like three weeks later, especially if it's training related <laughs> like that. Ian, we're sorry, man. If we wasted three of your training weeks, our bad. Yeah. Yeah, we uh we need to set up like a Bonk Bros Instagram account too. Yeah, that'd be much easier, especially like with the way Instagram is. Like if someone just like likes your story, it like adds them as one of your like messages or whatever, and it's so hard to go back through and filter through all the Instagram DMs. I know. It's probably why Keegan never saw my DM. Yeah, the you saw of, mine though. I don't, of, I don't I don't I don't know what, what you're doing, man. What? When did you send one to him? I sent him like two or three yesterday, and he replied to all of them. Oh my gosh, he's just like dude. He ran. Me. He ran thirty-three millimeter tires at Steamboat. Why? <laughs> I don't seems know. Like a seems like a. I don't know what the gravel is like at Steamboat. I've heard it's pretty. Uh, pretty it's pretty pretty, mellow, pretty bougie but... gravel. Yeah, I mean it's like. Dude, more, I more like run, dirt, dirt roads. I wouldn't run anything less than thirty-eight millimeter if it's if it's a gravel race. I don't care how smooth the gravel is. I'm I'm so used to riding big tires now. <clears throat> Even if I was doing like a crit, I'd probably run thirty-fives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know. Narrower tires are not necessarily faster. In fact. If it's off road, more than likely it's not. So that's all I'll say about that. Did he run the dude? I think I ma- think Keegan's Maxis just looking refuse. for. No, he he wrote he ran their cyclocross tires. The the speed terrain. Okay. okay, good. Those refuse tires are so slow. Yeah, like um, I think I think Keegan's just looking for like handicaps at this point. He's like, how can I make this harder so that I don't have to win by fifteen minutes again? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, dude, he should honestly if he had like ridden a trail bike at Leadville, he probably still would have won. 
Yeah. All right. Should we wrap this up? Yeah. Let's do it. Sounds good. See you guys. All right. Catch you later.